Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And welcome, everybody, to this week's exciting episode. And Josh is taking the lead today. I've got to say, I have a little trepidation over your choice in subject, but I'm trusting you. Well, I mean, (laughs) I I should just... It is a scary one, isn't it? It is scary because we've all heard the horror stories of uh, a bit of backlash on this subject. Other podcasts have covered it and they have tales to tell. They do, yeah. So, so what are we doing this week then, Josh? Today we are doing Scientology. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And I'd just like to say, with the research, to avoid some comments and people saying, oh, this is my religion and that's not right and this is not right, some of the research is actually from a Scientologist website. I'd, I'd say most of it, is it? Most, or, I'd say... I, don't, I know you went visited Wikipedia, which obviously... You know, it has yeah. to confirm things before they put them out and whatnot. I would say maybe 30% is from the Scientologist website. From their actual website? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, one of the <laughs> um, .orgs or whatever it is. Okay. So, you know, before we get any hate, there is some research there that is from those websites. That Fair enough. Um, but also, I should just say as well, I've done so much research, this is going to be a two-parter. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, and yeah. Part one. That is... should be interesting. I don't think we've had a religion episode that spans two parts yet. <laughs> I mean, we need it. We okay. need it with this because the deep dive in Scientology gets very deep. Fair enough. So, yeah, it is going to be a two parter. So stick around because part two is going to be even juicier. Part one is going to be the history and the facts and more. It's, it's interesting. The introduction to it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, let's dive in then, let's mate. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Now, as we chatted about before the podcast, we both got L. Ron Hubbard wrong. So yes. it's the initial L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. I, I thought, thought L. Ron was one word. <laughs> yeah, L. Ron beginning with E. Yeah. And I thought he was L. Ron Hubbard as in the Ron Hubbard. <laughs> so we were both wrong. Um, but L. Ron Hubbard was born in Tilden, Nebraska in America. 
And the L stands for Lafayette.、Mm. I think that's how you say it. It is. So、yes. Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, and he was born on March thirteenth, nineteen eleven, and he died January twenty fourth, nineteen eighty six. And he was an American author, primarily known for science fiction and fantasy stories. So,、okay. so he had a bit of a name for himself all the way back in in the old days. Then. Oh yeah, yeah. So he actually still to this day holds the record for the most published.、Um, Like books and novels and、uh, just general in in the sci-fi genre, yeah,、oh, and outside of it,、or? yeah, non-fiction yeah, yeah. and fiction. Yeah,、okay. so he's just released book after book and whatever novels、just、and whatever throws、else. them out like Stephen King does these days. <laughs> yeah, he's the original Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, and he was actually he he specified in science fiction is yeah, basically what it is. Yeah, that was his jam. Yeah, which makes sense as the creator of Scientology. So, in 1950, Hubbard authored a book called Dianetics, which is the modern、right. science of mental health.、Uh, but in 1952, Hubbard lost the rights to Dianetics in a bankruptcy proceeding.、Um, he subsequently founded Scientology thereafter. Okay.、Um, Hubbard, Hubbard also oversaw the growth of the Church of Scientology into a worldwide organization. And just a couple of little key points here,、uh, just to try and paint a picture of L. Ron Hubbard because he's not one hundred percent nice of a person. I have to say,、um, okay. <laughs> not that this has anything to do with it.、Um, he dropped out of George Washington University, so never finished university. Right, didn't get his degree. No, he was arrested for petty theft in nineteen forty-eight, and he was arrested for fraud in France in nineteen seventy-eight. What a stand-up、um, guy! Yeah, he also received a fine of thirty-five thousand and four years in jail, but they were unserved. Oh, couldn't find anything on that as to why. No, I don't know whether he served some of that time, but from my research, I don't think、Just、he served any time in jail. Maybe was that in France or? Yeah, I th- he. He got、so、done for fraud. Skip the country and just get out of his、I'm、jail. I'm pretty sure that's、perhaps. what happened. Yeah,、oh, fair play. So, but it was France that allegedly, anyway. Oh, allegedly. Could, yeah, yeah, we can't we can't say that it did <laughs> because yeah, if you if you if that's not in the research, we can't say that that is what actually happened, can we?、Uh, but, but, there's a good chance. Yes, <laughs> but this did happen, and he served in the U.S. Navy from 1941 to 1945, and was a reserve for another five years after that. He served in World War Two and made it all the way up to rank of lieutenant. Yeah, well, he would have done from nineteen forty-one to forty-five. Yeah, definitely. In fact, yeah, yeah, he was there pretty much right to the end. Yeah, yeah. So he he is a, a veteran, I suppose. Yeah.、Um, so he did serve his country.、Um, so kind of yeah, respect. Yeah, for that, respect for that. You know? Yeah, yeah.、Um, so after dropping out of、uh, GWU, he began his career as a prolific writer of pulp fiction stories. And he also married a woman called Margaret Grubb, who shared an interest in aviation. So, and I'm going kind of quick because I've got seven pages of research. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you didn't really mention much of his interest in aviation because he was in the navy. Yeah, so he was, he was boats, on boats. He was he, on boats. Or was he on an aircraft carrier? I suppose we don't know, do we? Or was was that is that true? <laughs> This is the other thing. This guy is. So all over the place and nuts. With all due respect, right? He's into a lot of stuff, right? So, but he was mainly interested in ships, being part of the navy, 
but that's the only bit that I could find where it says he had an interest in aviation and that's how he met his wife. But oh. we don't know. Was it just a, a pickup line to get her because oh. he knew that she was in date? We don't know. That's hey, the baby, thing. I work on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> Want to come jump on mine? Are we at an airport? Because my heart is taking off. Oh. So, <laughs> so they actually had two children as well. Okay. And little fun fact, a Margaret Grubb, is an anagram of Bartram Bugger. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done that myself, so I'm proud of that one. I even drew a little smiley face on the research. I was, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very, uh, yeah, nuts. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then him and Margaret divorced in 1947, and his second wife, he married Sarah Betty Hollister, and they had one child, but also divorced five years later. We will get back to Betty because she comes back into it. Okay. But I'm just trying to give you a little bit of background to show that, you know, he was, he's been married a few times. So, yeah, so far. He's got children. He's, he's been uh, done for fraud. Yep. He's gone to, uh, may or may not have served time in prison. Yep. Or, or may have skipped the country. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. Uh, he fought in World War Two. Mm-hmm. He's been married twice and had three kids with two, yeah. two different women. So far, yes, right. Colorful guy, yeah. And also at the same time, few skeletons in his closet, I'd say. Yeah, and and still, whilst all this is going on, he's still writing all these science fiction novels and producing yeah, all of these books and entertainment and reading material. I suppose if that's his first love, then yeah, I suppose. So, and also, I, I will give out these little. <laughs> I just got you said. Um, I will read out these kind of facts and then bring them into a timeline, if that makes okay, sense. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, that's fine. Um, so, in 1953, the first churches of Scientology were founded by Hubbard, and in 1954, a Scientology church in Los Angeles was founded, which became the Church of Scientology International, which then later became. Gold Base, which is their yes. central hub yeah, yeah. of Scientology. Now the international headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> so now this is where I'm kind of trying to put the timeline into place. Into place, yeah. yeah. yeah because fine. typically with the Josh style, as I'm doing research, I tend to go back and write little notes and go back, and then it gets and a bit it, jumbled well, up. Yeah. And I've got a history of getting my notes in the wrong order. So. Now I'm going to rewrite those mistakes and try and put it into some sort of time frame. Fair enough. So Scient- Good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck. If people are still following me. Uh, Scientology became increasingly controversial during the 1960s uh, and came to intense media, government and legal pressure in a number of countries. During the late 1960s and early 1970s, Hubbard spent much of, much of his time at sea on his personal fleet of ships as Commodore of the Sea Organization, an elite quasi-paramilitary group of Scientologists. And you heard that correctly. I, he had his own fleet, which does come back up in the story later. Of paramilitary? Yeah. Yes. As you've got his own, basically, <clears throat> a bunch of mercenaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Scientologists... To defend it, he's obviously he's made quite a lot of money off Scientology by this point. But I'm, I'm not going to try and step ahead 
Yeah, it will all click into place. Yeah. He's, I mean, this next bit might put into perspective. It's, I wonder, it, you didn't say what they, you said they came under uh, scrutiny in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You didn't say what for. Uh, I don't know whether that's oh, coming that up. Comes that's up. coming up to get out of my head, Pirate, yeah. <laughs> um, but to say that he went out into the middle of the sea with his own fleet yeah. of paramilitary, it must have been something pretty serious for him to actually get out of the country into international waters. Yeah, he was wanted by a lot of people yeah. for different things. And his that's, his... that's shady, man. Yeah, and his, his fleet as well, they were centred around three huge naval ships. So oh, so he can, actually bought ships off the navy. Somehow, some way, he had his own ships. Is that's the I don't know. Well, well, allegedly, I guess if as he they bought them, decommission them. He must have had the money to go. Yeah, I'll take them. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. But he had his own fleet, which is impressive. So Hubbard returned to the United States in 1975, which I think is maybe just before the whole France thing. Either way, he was off. On, on sea, oh, okay. going round yeah. different countries. He returned in 1975 to the United States and went into seclusion in the Californian desert after an unsuccessful attempt to take over the town of Clearwater in Florida. An, an unsuccessful attempt to take over a town? Yes. of Like, with Scientology. Right. Well, yeah. he was just, like, trying to... Sort of, like... The video games, like Civ Six or whatever, where you go and try and make a religious um, victory. He was just trying to convert all these different places to yeah. to his religion. Pretty much, yeah, and alleged- to, to pretty much back up his paramilitary group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what I was going to say. More numbers you've got, the better, isn't it? Allegedly, there was some force used in certain situations and things it because he wasn't getting his own way. Doesn't surprise me, but he was unsuccessful anyway. So, in 1978, after his conviction of fraud in France, in the same year, two high-ranking members of... No, 11, sorry. 11 high-ranking members of Scientology were indicted indicted on 28 charges for their role in the church's Snow White program. So, this is where... uh, You know when you said about what they were in trouble for in the 1960s? Yeah. Uh, It's kind of a build-up. The Snow White program is... Well, the, the, the Snow project White name is it? Or? Yeah, so the Snow White pro- program was like late seventies, mm-hmm. but during the sixties, building up to this into the seventies, it was kind of like uh, he was he was doing all these crimes and all of these dodgy things, hey, building up to the Snow just White. Basically, forgive me. There's the way it sounds. Is he was trying to make himself like a cartel or a mob boss in a way? Yeah. You know, that, that's allegedly. the, the, the fit. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. Allegedly, this is my my understanding of the of what you're telling me. My personal understanding is that the guy is trying to create a cartel with himself as the dawn. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, and this next bit will make even more sense to what it, you're saying. Yeah, that, that, that's my take on on, on this his, these historical facts. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I may be wrong, but yeah. So 11 people got done for this uh, with 28 charges for their role in the Snow White program, a systematic program of espionage against the United States government, infiltrations and thefts into 136 agencies and foreign embassies and consultants in more than 30 countries, including organizations critical to Scientology. 
It was one of the largest infiltrations of the United States government in history. I'll so bet. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so his group of Scientologists were. It was. It says here you got worms and moles inside government. Basically, yes, hundred percent. Yeah. So this was all to purge and eliminate any unfavorable records about Scientology and the founder, L. Ron Hubbard. So yeah, they, just strip them from the record. Yes, clean so, slate. Again, we're just painting a picture here of what their the, the it's religion do- dodgy as hell, really, isn't it? Yeah. And one of the indicted members was his third wife, Mary Sue Whip, called Whip, cool who, Whip. She, who <laughs> she had. Is that one? Could <laughs> it had to be. It's spelled the same as well. Silent H. So uh, she also had four children with L. Ron Hubbard. So he's so, up to seven kids now. I think it's either six or seven. One, two. I think it is seven. Seven. Yeah. Um, and she yeah. was actually in charge of the program. So, if one of them came up to him and went, where's my money, Brian? Where's my money? <laughs> where's my money, Brian? <laughs> but yeah, she she had another four kids with him. And she actually did get in trouble for the Snow White program because she was in charge of it. He oh, put okay. her in charge. She was Snow White. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Which also- would make sense with a name like Cool Whip. <laughs> <laughs> So Hubbard spent the remaining years of his life in seclusion in a luxury motorhome on a ranch in California, attended to by a small group of Scientology officials. Following his death in 1986, Scientology leaders announced that Hubbard's body had become an impedent impedent to his work? Impediment. That's the one. (laughs) Had become an impediment to his work. And that he decided to drop his body... To continue his research and teachings on another plane of existence, the Church of Scientology describes Hubbard in holy... What's that say? Oh. Hagiographic terms. Hagiographic terms, yeah. And says its account of his life is factual. Right. So, What, these stories that he just left lying around? Yeah, basically. So it's... (laughs) <laughs> this is the start of actual Scientology and their kind of beliefs where they're starting to say that he was actually like a holy entity. He wasn't just a man in a body. He was beyond his he body. He was a prophet. He was what a they're prophet. saying. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And, and like we've well, already... I guess people are going to believe what they believe, aren't they? Yeah. You know, like Jesus was a man, Muhammad was a man, you know, but... The various religions, they believe in these prophets as something more than what they were. And it's going to be the same for these people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's actually incredible how brainwashed some of these people are. Not all of them, allegedly, but um, it's a, it's a very amazing how he managed to do what he could do. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, He's not already... the first one, though. Well, he might have been one of the first, but, I mean, we've seen plenty of other religious movements that have been very mm. controlling environments. Yeah. Um, because um, uh, there, there wasn't that one that um, did the religious suicide and everything, the biggest oh, yes. biggest suicide in history, mass suicide yeah, in history. Yeah, it was, and they all drank, like, punch or something. Yeah, yeah, something they? like that. Well, this is the same sort of thing. He's indoctrinating people into this belief. Yeah. Pretty much. But that, <laughs> yeah. that's how all religion starts anyway, isn't it? 
Yeah, you tend to have one. Jesus was a fisher of men, basically going around spreading his story and indoctrinating people. Yeah. You know, it's just one way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you are right. And uh, we've already touched on the fact L. Ron Hubbard is the world's most published and most translated author, with having over-published, published over 1,084 fiction and non-fiction works, and they've been translated into 71 different languages. Wow. So that's quite impressive, to be fair. Yeah. And here's a little side note for you. So he was also best friends with Jack Parsons, who invented the first rocket engine to use a castable composite rocket propellant. Right. So it wasn't just him. There was other people involved, but his name is credited to that. So Castable composite rocket propellant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Solid fuel. I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing they already had some sort of system in place. Him and a team, I think it was there was three people on the team. He was like the leader of the team, like team leader. Yeah. And they said, try using X, Y, Z, and it worked, and they've used that ever since is what I got from the research. But that there is the science. Just a rocket propellant uh, threw me off because obviously um, Werner von Braun was the major developer of rockets after the Second World War for America. Mm. Yeah. And he was the guy that kind of... Um, brought the ICBM, the Intercontinental Ballistic Missile, uh, mm -hmm. into existence because he was the guy that figured out rocket science enough to actually travel those distances. I'm guessing this guy must have worked closely with him. I'm guessing so because they they met early on in L. Ron Hubbard's career. So I don't know if at this Oh, so point... yeah, it quite possibly was just after the war then. So yeah. yeah, that's how he made those connections. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that makes more sense to me now. And then just a little side note here, again, just trying to paint a picture, but also not just painting a picture. Like These are facts. You mm -hmm. know, This is history of L. Ron Hubbard. Um, he actually met his second wife by having an affair with Parsons' girlfriend, so Sarah Betty, um, who later became Hubbard's second wife. And um, the, this is the other thing. When he married his second wife, he was yeah. still married to his first wife, Oh, so bigamist too? Yes. Is that part of the religion? Are you like Mormons and stuff are allowed to take more than one wife, aren't they? And, yeah. You know, is that part I've, of Scientology? Or? I've never heard of Scientologists being, what do you say, bigamists? Bigamists, yeah. Or yeah, never heard poly of it. Polygamists, I think they call themselves, don't they? Uh, yeah. No, uh, it can't be because I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure when it was, it might have been the 70s or the 80s or maybe even earlier, uh, the United States actually banned polygamy mm -hmm. and there are still sort of religious movements that sort of do it quietly uh, if you know what I mean in their yeah, own yeah. little reserves and stuff like that yeah I'm with you secretly yeah um, but I actually feel a little bit sorry for Margaret um, because she actually didn't find out until well into his second marriage so he was leading oh, like right. a double life okay she then found out and she basically had to agree to divorce him, if you know what I mean. She that, yeah, of... that is true bigamy then, if, the, if you lead in a, a second marriage <laughs> yeah. in secret. That's not polygamy, that is bigamy. That, yeah. Yeah, um, but you'd be happy to know as well, Jack Parsons didn't blame him at all. They actually <laughs> stayed friends. Oh, right. And I can't, I should have written the quote down, but it was a very weird quote saying something along the lines of he's a great guy and it just means that the transfer of energy from her 
to me goes from her to him. Something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. so he wasn't bothered at all. Right, so. yeah. Okay. So it obviously, yeah, it probably is written into the clauses of their religion somewhere that you can just go and sleep with anyone, whether you're married or not. I don't yeah. know. So after... I com- don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea. Um, but after complaining about not being able to make a decent living as a science fiction writer, Lester Del Rey told Hubbard that to get rich, he needed to start his own religion. And right. Lester Del Rey was also a fellow science fiction writer. Okay. Like an established yeah. author as well. Yeah, no, fair enough. So yeah. close I friend. Mean, you get like tax exemptions and stuff if you're a religious minister and, you know, that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's quite a scheme. It's quite, quite a clever scheme. Yeah. And Hubbard then expanded upon the basics of his first published kind of thing, which was Dianetics, which yes. he lost the rights yeah, yeah. to. When he got it back... He just expanded upon that to construct a spiritually orientated doctrine based on the concept that the true self of a person was a thetan, which, in other words, is like an immortal person or entity. Okay, yeah, your soul. Yeah. so The the true essence of you is your soul and the body is just a carriage for it. Yes. That's what you're saying. The same as most most religions. Yeah. Same thing. But thetan, it comes up quite a lot. So thetan is the word that he uses for a mortal entity, like you said, soul. Um, So Hubbard taught that thetans, having created the material universe, have forgotten their godlike powers and become trapped in physical bodies. Scientology has aimed to rehabilitate each person's self to restore its own original capacities and become once again an operating thetan, becoming a mortal or an entity. So transcending your physical body into a purely spiritual form. Yes. Yeah. Is their goal. Essentially, yes. That is what the the very... You know what the rest of us call that? What's that? Dying? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Basically. But that is the the very heart and soul, the core of their religion is fair enough. Let me just have a quick quick sip. Uh, Yeah, but Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, most of us would, would, would agree that that's what happens at the end of our lives anyway. Mm-hmm. It, you know, in one religion or another, I, I, I don't know about the atheists whether some of them believe that kind of thing or, or, or not. Where a lot of them just really believe that when you die, it's just black, yeah, nothingness. 
very empty belief system there. Um, but I, I know many, many religions, many beliefs hold pretty much that same ideal, really. But they mm-hmm. just call it dying. Yes. <laughs> and that's the, that's the very basic mild version of what they believe in. Right. Part two, I will actually go into all the crazy stuff they believe in. Right. Well, Allegedly crazy. Allegedly crazy, yeah. Um, just to avoid backlash there, but honestly, it is nuts. Allegedly. So, <laughs> so, but this is another thing. Allegedly, plagiarism is now comes into it. So right. in 2012, Ohio State University professor Hugh Urban argued that Hubbard had adopted many of his theories of Scientology from the early to mid-20th century astral projection pioneer Sylvan Muldoon. So similar, if not identical, to the literature of, literature of Meldoon from 1951. So essentially, okay. do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but astral projection is kind of like, do you remember the Ingo Swan episode mm-hmm. where you, you travel outside of your body and visit things that you're not able to visit in actual corporeal form? Yeah. But that's, that's not the same as transcending to become your, what was it, Thetan... Immortal entity, yeah. Uh, you know, that's kind of different. I think. Well, we haven't read the whole thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Maybe so I'm missing something there, but that's what I'm. Th- uh, that's what I'm thinking as well. Like, I do agree. But with it does. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me the plagiarism that somebody. If a guy's getting rich off of this, mm-hmm. someone's going to go. Well, I thought of that first. Yeah. Look, here's the proof. Here's what I wrote, and look how similar his idea is. Mm-hmm. But I'm not getting millions of pounds off it, so you know why should he? Yeah, but that's the thing. It could even be something else that's the same, if not similar. Like maybe not that bit about the Thetans. Oh, well, it could be. Yeah, there I could don't. be some some other big old paragraph. Well, about well when we open it up next time, we'll we'll have a look. Have a look. Yeah. So allegedly, plagiarism could come into that. From a book from 1951. Okay. Um, Hubbard introduced a device called an e-meter that he presented as a way to reveal an individual's innermost thoughts. But, <laughs> right, turns out an e-meter actually does absolutely nothing and it has the same components that are used in lie detectors. Right. So these e-meters that they're telling you is for something. It's just it's... measuring your heart rate and your perspiration and, yep. it, and stuff yeah. like that. So okay, they're fair enough. Allegedly tricking people with that e-meter. So the Hubbard Association of Scientologists, also known as HAS, was the only official Scientology organization uh, with training procedures, doctrines, and standardized and promoted through... Um, this organization. Right, so yeah, they were yeah. like the main hub. The administrators and the auditors were not permitted to deviate from Hubbard's approach. So this is where it starts ramping up and he's getting a more kind of widespread, right, how do we get people to be Scientologists? It, Let's kind of brainwash It's them. Yeah, almost like he's starting to become a bit of a control freak at this mm-hmm. point. Yes. Yeah, it's getting that way. Yeah. So branches or orgs, organizations, were then known as franchises. So it's a bit like fast food chain restaurants. Yeah, so a a franchise of the church Mm -hmm. would have to pay him so much to say that we're the new church of Scientology in this area. 
Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. That's exactly what That's, you yep. you've got there, mate. Sorry, didn't so, need to get in your head. <laughs> <laughs> so each franchise holder was required to pay ten percent of their total income to Hubbard's central organization. They were also required to find new recruits known as raw meat. <laughs> right. <laughs> but were restricted to providing only basic services. Because it's obviously the, the main central hub, Basic. the Hubbard Association organization. They were the only ones that could do all this uh, kind of rules and regulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These other people were just minions, just told just the basics. preaching whatever they've been told from above. Mm-hmm. And I guess, obviously, they're, they're religious services, aren't they, that they're, yes. they're offering. So, uh, you know, saving your soul and stuff, come to our church every Sunday or whatever, whenever their holy day is. Mm-hmm. Bit pay us yeah. <laughs> money, probably. You 10%. know, cause, uh, yeah. It, 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 even like Church of England and Catholic Church and stuff rely on like donations. They pass around a little plate, don't they? And people put it around in their pocket yeah. and put it. And I guess that's how it started for him. You know, that, that would have been yeah. And kick off th- point. This is where it really starts ramping up because auditing is using the e meter. So they were essentially like using a lie detector on people and then telling them, oh, we know you're in a thoughts, you're lying to us, and, and started brainwashing them. And that's how they were recruiting people into Scientology. Oh, because okay. people would panic and start being like, oh, how, how can I, what can, what can I do? I, I don't want to be evil. I don't want to. And then this... they'd rope them in. And this actually became their most successful way of getting new recruits or raw meat. That kind now starts to make a little bit more sense. Years and years ago, I watched, I think it was a Louis Theroux documentary on Scientology. Mm-hmm. I don't really know that much about Scientology and that documentary sort of maybe not want to know too much about Scientology because they, they were, or one guy in particular was trying to, he, he was attacking Louis, mm-hmm. going, what are your crimes? What are your crimes? We'll find out what your crimes are, what you've done wrong, you know? You, you can't hide from your from your own conscience and all this sort of thing. Yeah. And Louis, and Louis's like, no, go away. I'm, I'm Jewish or whatever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that that sentence makes it more. Uh, it explains why that guy was doing that because yeah, it's that attack. Yes. Um, strategy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To, we know you've done wrong. You can only be you can only be uh, get, reach your salvation through us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And while you speak of attack, you've pretty much segued this into the next bit, which is perfect, by the way. So speaking of attacking Louis through attacking these people, Hubbard actually started to advise his auditors to wear, is it clerical collars? Yeah, the, yeah. So, and dress as clergymen. Like, like dog collars. Like, like religious yeah, yeah, yeah. collars and dress as clergymen. So if they were arrested uh, for being aggressive and disturbing the peace or whatever, they could then sue the police and the government for being molested as a man of God, right? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, there are plenty of little loopholes like that in the law, aren't there? So, yeah. And Elrond Hubbard has been quoted as to saying, allegedly, uh, don't ever defend, always attack. So this is, right. again, where it starts ramping up. And uh, another quote here was, always find or manufacture enough threat against them to cause them to sue for peace. Interesting little quote there. Yeah. Because you still see that today. It is interesting. One of the things that I just want to just touch on just very briefly mm-hmm. is uh, when I was reading through the Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, 
and they they were talking about their approach to converting people to pastafarianism. Yeah, uh, there was a paragraph labelled Scientologists, and the paragraph was just don't bother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, They're too yeah. deeply rooted in what they've got going on. Just don't bother. Yes, very deeply rooted and uh, very loyal. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. a lot of them. So, an individual is not to set up their own group if leaving Scientology. They will be completely shut down. So this is another set of okay. parts of their rules. I'm just kind of going into the very. The, the, I'm, t- I'm tickling that uh, the start of yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the religion. Yeah, it's basically our way or the highway. Yeah. And the highway doesn't look too good. And th- these are kind of like the rules that they've set because they were getting a lot of hate and a lot of feedback. So they were just kind of like, right, how do we defend ourselves here? How do we make ourselves look good smelling of roses? Yeah, it, se- it seems to me that a lot of the inner workings of Scientology is very secretive. Mm-hmm. And then they've just got this nice little rose garden that they put out the front for everybody to look at. Yeah, oh, come, come into the garden; it's fine. Yeah, just don't go into the basement. That's actually no. a very good an- an- was it an- analogy. An- <laughs> that's actually a very good one for Scientology. Yes, yeah, and that will completely make sense as well in part two when you hear some of the crazy stuff that I found. So, uh, another rule is the purpose is to harass and discourage rather than to win. In a court of law, things like that. Right, yeah, Um, just discredit the other side. And Scientologists have also said that the law can be used very easily to harass and enough harassment on somebody who is simply on the edge anyway, uh, well, knowing that he is not authorised, will generally be sufficient to cause his professional decease, if possible, of course, ruin him utterly. Yeah, ruin his reputation. Yes, to completely discredit them in court, mm-hmm. uh, and, and yeah, I suppose yeah, that's that's better than winning the case, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a running theme. It's a, it's a running theme. Is it? It's, yeah. Uh, it's almost like if we can't get our way, we're going to find loopholes and we're going to do what we can till we get our own way. Yeah, it's pretty much the way. And obviously, we've we've mentioned um, Hubbard was given back the rights to. Dianetics and things like that. Kind of like um, smear campaigns, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's, yeah. it's real... Uh, it's kind of, like, nasty. Yeah, really yeah, is. yeah. Very much so. And I know I keep saying it, but honestly, there are some stories in part two coming up, and you will be flabbergasted at what they get away with and what they do to people, and it's insane that My it's... My ghast is yeah. already flabbered, mate. <laughs> it's, uh... um, but I should just mention as well, just a side note, that when... Hubbard started this Scientology uh, and really started ramping it up. Yeah. All the independent Scientology churches and the Dianetic groups were either driven out of business or they were absorbed by Hubbard's organizations. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, it yeah. eventually became one big thing. So Hubbard marketed Scientology through medical claims as well, such as getting rid of polio. So... What? Yes, yeah, I'm not even kidding you. For adverts. Scientology is r- responsible for getting rid of polio. They're is that saying, what they're claiming? No, it was it was basically a clever scheme to get people to join. Is they were saying, um, like I, I'll say allegedly because I don't want to misquote it, but there was adverts and campaigns saying things like, "Oh, if you're if you have polio or if you have this disease or that disease, join Scientology. We can make you healthy again. Or we can cure you. Yes." 
is generally one of the things that they were doing to recruit people. Fair enough. Okay. So, again, painting a picture of how great these people are. Yeah. And L. Ron Hubbard especially. So, Scientology was rising by the year. And by 1957, Hubbard was paid by a percentage of the church's gross income, which was $250,000 a month. A month? I'm pretty sure it was a month. Because it was 10% of... No, that was 1957, so it wouldn't have been a month. Maybe yearly. So 250... Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, a year would make He more was getting sense. more yeah, money as the... Yeah, $250,000 a year would be like yeah. getting millions these days, wouldn't it? It, it equivalates to $2.6 Yeah. But that would have been yearly. He started getting more money in the 60s and 70s. So, yes, my apologies. In 1957, it was about... Okay, yeah. Quarter of a million. Was, year. Uh, to be fair, I wouldn't say no to a quarter of a million a year in twenty twenty three. Yeah, but that is crazy that this guy, on average nowadays, is at the time in the fifties, he was getting roughly two point six million a year. Yeah. For, um, so Scientology is actually banned in uh, certain parts of Australia, Victoria being one of them. Right. Okay. Um, and. The reason they were banned was for brainwashing, blackmail, and extortion. And they were actually banned in 1965. So I don't know well, if that law still up, upholds now. Probably. But in 1965, Australia's they were... Australia's got... They're, they're pretty stubborn. Yeah. they want to be. And then we actually followed suit. The UK banned Scientology in 1968. Oh, it's actually banned here? Yes. I kind of wondered why we don't really see Scientologists wandering around the place in the UK. It is predominantly America that yes. has seen reports of Scientology. So I should have written it down, but the uh, which is a running trend of mine. <laughs> but um, when I was doing the research, I remember seeing something about that the ban was on foreign Scientologists coming into the country. Right. So... If me and you decided to become Scientologists... Launch our own church, that's fine. That's fine. It's, uh, you can't have We're just these... not then allowed to go to Australia, or yeah, the yes, Americans are not yes. allowed to come here. Yeah, that's pretty enough. much yeah. what it is. Okay. So Hubbard was then forced to tighten internal discipline within Scientology and required members to disconnect from any organisation or individual, including family members and friends deemed to be disruptive or suppressive to the religion. So this is where you start getting people turning their backs on their families and things yeah. like that for religion. He also required Scientologists to write knowledge reports on each other, reporting any transgressions or misapplications of Scientology methods. So basically, internal snitches yeah. on each other. Yeah, they're just double-checking each other's work and leaning over each other's shoulders and, and whatnot, and, yeah, breathing mm -hmm. down the necks. So it's fair enough, I guess. And that comes back in part two, another nuts story. I can't, I cannot wait to do part two as well. Okay, mate, so. fair enough. I do apologise, because part one has been a little bit all over the place. Yeah, but, Scientologists, don't attack yeah, us yet. We yeah. still have another part to go Yeah, through. wait for part two before <laughs> you attack us, because you will be angry. So... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, they did it, not me. So <laughs> We're just reporters. <laughs> yeah. This is just our interpretation of the the research we found that's already out there. Yeah. So there you go. don't hate the messenger. So Hubbard then had a long list of punishable misdemeanors, crimes and high crimes. This would be for people deemed an enemy of Scientology, which would include loss of property, injuries, 
being sued or destroyed publicly, which again refers back to Louis Theroux and some yeah, of the stuff that he yeah, saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, really nice people. A loss of property. They just literally take your house away from yeah, them if you 100%. annoy them. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of them were in communities. So your neighbours and everything. Oh, right. Okay, they so would, they didn't necessarily own the house in the first place. It, it would have been, yeah. Like yes, say, like, a lot yeah, of them, yeah. It was kind of given to them as a gift or, yeah. you know, they would build uh, upon this certain settlement or neighbourhood. Oh, probably not necessarily given to them. They probably paid for it duly <laughs> with the offerings. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. So in March 1966... The Guardian's office was created, <laughs> which, oh which dealt, yeah, an- another sector of this organization. So in 66, the Guardian's office was created, which dealt with all external affairs, public relations and legal actions, gathering of intelligence on perceived threats. As negative media attention gathered, they issued legal paperwork, sometimes up to 40 in a single day. Wow. Of handing out this legal paperwork because of people saying bad things about Scientology. It's kind of like they, they're starting now to create their own little CIA mm-hmm. and, and black ops groups and stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, mate. I mean, that, that is one of the things that I have heard about Scientology is they allegedly have their own sort of black ops militia. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and, and yeah, this, this seems to be the creation of that, doesn't it? Yes, it does indeed. And... Uh, yeah, so we're getting towards the end now. So Hubbard stepped down in 1966. So he actually didn't, he wasn't full on. He was still involved, but he stepped down from being head guy in 1966. Right. And it was kind of run very wishy-washy by some close friends who were also Scientologists. I will find their names and put it out in part two because it will, it will make sense. I've completely forgotten. But... They didn't run it very well for for about okay. uh, well, about fifteen to twenty years or so. It but, was but from from your research. I mean, so what, why do you think that he stepped down? Was it just because he made enough money and um, well, got himself a big enough name, and he decided, well, you know, I don't really need this anymore. I don't care what happens to it. I'll just let it sort of wash away. I think it's it's a combination. Was he trying to close it down or? Um... Oh, what Scientology? Yeah. Oh yeah. no way. No, no. no, no he, he just wanted it to run as its own entity. So it's a combination of things. So, from allegedly from some reports, I've read that because of his shady past and things like that, he was he was becoming bigger than the religion. Right. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Was, yeah. And he was getting a reputation for being known as that crazy guy and. So he he didn't want to be the next Al Capone, basically. Yeah, yeah, okay. So then, the the actual reason that he stepped down um, was to focus on his fleet of ships. <laughs> my, oh my god! And he wanted to sail to other countries, working on the teachings of Scientology. So again, he wanted to expand yeah. all this stuff. Um, but doing it in international waters where he can't get yeah. done for it because maritime law doesn't. Um, Govern religion mm-hmm. in international waters, so yeah, yeah, can't, and can't get prosecuted for it. So he was doing this for a few years, and as, like I say, I know I keep saying it, but allegedly 
he was doing it in a way that um, was morally incorrect. So because of this, he was... <laughs> Surprise compared to the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah. So he was losing a lot of senior members of the church by either demotion or just leaving in general. They'd had enough. Right. And th this was brought up to, to 1980 and 1981. So this mm -hmm. was at an all-time low. People were leaving, getting demoted. The Scientology was in a bit of a weird place, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah. it was at that point, it was kind of run by three people that weren't L. Ron Hubbard. And I'm pretty sure it was a husband and wife. And a lot of people were losing faith in Scientology. Because so, the main man wasn't there anymore. Yeah, yeah. That definitely had something so, to do yeah, with it. It would have been on the rocks a little bit, wouldn't it? And that happened for years. They were just like, wow, we're not really feeling this anymore. And then some we people... We haven't got our profit anymore. Yeah. And some people also got demoted. And then they were like, well, I haven't really done anything. So if I'm getting demoted for that, then I'm out. So if, yeah, if, so he was enough, Either yeah. way, he had, a, he had a rapid decline of members. Mm -hmm. So by the end of 1981, one man rose to prominence, taking on all of Hubbard's responsibilities. Hubbard's closest aide in the Sea Organization, 21-year-old David Miscavige. And that okay. is where I'm going to end today's podcast. Oh, you're tickling our teats and wait until next week to milk us. Indeed I am. <laughs> yes, because part two, I'm going to get into David Miscavige and what we know as Scientology in the modern days of today. So what we've got so far... Yes, L. Ron Hubbard, the, the, the history of L. Ron Hubbard. And, yeah, okay, the guy wasn't a saint. Mm -hmm. He was a prophet, but he wasn't a saint. <laughs> um, you know, he's got some misdemeanors in his past. Wasn't making much money out of sci-fi sci novels and short stories. Mm -hmm. So someone said, why don't you make a religion out of your ideas yeah. as a sci-fi writer? Mm -hmm. And he's done that. In possibly one of the most savage ways I've ever heard of. <laughs> well, we're getting a naval fleet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, making up his own militia. Mm -hmm. and yeah, the naval fleet so that he can carry on his promiscuous ways out in international waters and whatnot. Then he's sort of maybe made enough money, he's had enough of it. He, 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 maybe he's just fed up of being on the wrong side of the law or whatever. Uh, you know, he's got a few quid in the bank now. He's just like, right, you tell you what, uh, Scientology can carry on. Um, but I don't really want much to do with it. And mm -hmm. it kind of, like, just sat on the rocks for a few years. Yeah, but don't forget he also... And then this David... What was his name? David Miscavige. Mis Miscavige. Miscavige. Not yeah. Miscarriage. No, Miscavige. Miscavige. Yeah. And he's now seized the position of, he's I guess... He he's taken it upon himself. He's the new prophet, basically. Yes. Yes. And then next week is where we actually explore what he's done to Scientology. Yeah. How and he's, how it's uh, progressed through the last 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. All the crazy stories today. that you hear about today, uh, his association with the, I'd say, the celebrities. Also, yeah, that, yeah also, there's quite a few celebrities that are into Scientology. A few celebrities there? you wouldn't necessarily think or know of as Scientologists. Right. Um, I'll also go into... Just some of the crazy things that have happened under David Miscarriage's version of Scientology. Um, but also, let's not forget that L. Ron Hubbard had his wife as the leader of an organization that infiltrated the American 
government. Yeah, yeah. And was the biggest, essentially, heist in government history. It was true espionage, really, wasn't it? Yes. So it's it's not even painting him in a bad light. He done all these things, and it's been noted down and recorded. This is all true. What I've read today is true. I, I might have jumbled things up and got it in a bit of a weird order and stuff, and my bad. Typically, Josh. Yeah, it wouldn't be a podcast, my side start a podcast without messing things up. But I'm just kind of trying to paint a picture of the creator of Scientology and what he was like. The history. So and when and we go into The vision that he created as opposed yeah. to what it is these days, and that's what yeah. we'll be covering next week. That's right. So just remember the name David Miscavige for David part Miscavige. two. And I promise you, part two is so much juicier. It is so Fair juicy. Fair enough. Well, we're not doing the paranormality scale this week because no. that would be uh, too shortcoming. Uh, so we will do the paranormality scale on Scientology next week. Uh, if you want to have a guess for yourselves <laughs> as what that guy, that rating is going to be then please do in the comments section yeah. write us an email don't write us an email if you're a Scientologist no. please don't I don't want to be inundated by emails um, but yeah uh, until next week when we go into the yeah. new version of Scientology Scientology 2.0 I've been Pirate I'm Josh and this has been Paranormality UK ta-ta ta-ta When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.